Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is film director Jack Bryan. Thank you to Patreons Dana Berry, Andre Dunka, William Healy, Angela Jackson, Zacharias Zskor Kaminsky, Sasha Millstone, Craig Pierce, and Greg Schneider. This is Eric LeVay, and this is Counterintelligence. Jack Bryan, welcome back to Counterintelligence. Thank you. Hey, Jack, it's great to Thanks have you. Me. <laughs> great I, to be here. Great to be on here. It's a, it's a good week to be uh, gone. <laughs> yeah, Jack, um, we had a whole Ukraine show planned, but first, before I even get into that, um, you've been on the show a few times, and you just said you've been doing better uh, recently, just in general. I just wanted to ask you, what you know, sort of collectively, what did, what did you mean by that? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that there, there's hope uh, that this is going to get resolved uh, in a manner that, or for me, in a way that there wasn't, you know, um, uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, and it hadn't been since uh, since the Mueller uh, basically came out. So I, I think that uh, this, in terms of correcting the harm that's happened to democracy over the last few years, I think that there is hope in addressing it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly a brighter last two weeks than it was, you know, months before that. I completely agree. Uh, Jack, I sort of planned to show around the Ukraine and you, in your film Active Measures, you, of course, uh, became an expert on the situation there. Uh, and I thought maybe we could just go through that for a lot of people who especially don't, it, it's getting, <laughs> as you know, this whole saga is getting a little more confusing each day uh, for people. Mm -hmm. uh, so going, going back to the beginning, you know, President Trump is the now the subject of an impeachment inquiry uh, that comes from a whistleblower who was talking about a complaint that, you know, basically a conversation that he had with the president of the Ukraine. I was wondering if maybe first you could kind of just take us through what happened on that phone call, uh, maybe in your own words, and then we could kind of spring forward from there. Uh, yeah. So uh, what basically appeared to have happened on that phone call without giving sort of too much uh, background uh, is that uh, Ukraine, a uh, country that has been uh, invaded by Russia, uh, and the eastern half, or not eastern half, but eastern, eastern portion of the country, a very important eastern portion of the country, has been seized by Russian uh, forces and occupied for the last few years. Uh, and they need uh, things like, a, for example, the Javelin missile, which is an anti-tank uh, missile to fight off uh, Russian forces as they invade their country. Mm. And so what happened is that uh, Donald Trump, has been would, would like uh, in order to give uh, them those missiles would like to do two things. One is uh, to investigate his political adversary Joe Biden uh, and his son to come up with some kind of dirt that they can use, or just an ongoing investigation that they can claim exists so they can dirty his name. Mm -hmm. And then an even stranger claim, which is to investigate CrowdStrike, uh, which is a basically code for. Uh, asking the Ukrainians to say that, in fact, it was they or somebody working for them who uh, fabricated the Steele dossier and was actually behind the hack. And basically, he is asking the Ukrainians to say the Russians weren't behind the hacking of 2016. Uh, it was really uh, CrowdStrike and Seth Rich and the small cabal of people who aren't in real life related to Ukraine, but that there's some conspiracy reporting suggesting that they were, so now Trump believes that they are. Um, and so that's a really bizarre, and like we, I think that that's actually a thing that everyone's kind of ignoring, but really, uh, if you think about what's actually happening there, it's, it's profoundly bizarre uh, and disturbing. 
It's like I'm not trying to laugh, but I'm sure people can hear me right oh, now. No, like it, I am laughing. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's like it's, and I think that that's honestly like people don't actually want to grapple with how insane that is. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons it's not a bigger part of the story because it's really scary how bizarrely uh, made up a world these guys live in. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah. It's like, uh, and, and I think that it's all—it's all denial. I mean, they all—they know it happened, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah. it's—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. The notion that truth is meaningless, um, and it's frightening, but it's happening. It's like, how can I be laughing? Because it's so—it is so serious. What's what going on? What else can you do besides? Uh, yeah, I mean, in the in the short term, it's you have to. It's just to, but yeah, it's it's very bizarre. There's like this this seventy something year old retiree, and that's pretty much how most of his like Giuliani his cohorts are kind of a all at the same stage of life, and it's like they're it's just like this Fox News viewer is in charge or a Breitbart viewer or whatever you want to call him. It's just this guy who just you know works two hours a day and and is just crazy. And yeah, and it's 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 uh, I think that we have to stop assuming that Donald Trump for the last 30 or so years, maybe longer, has had the same kind of relationship with uh, the truth as most people have. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the truth is the most convenient argument in the moment for Donald Trump. Uh, I think that when he is saying he, uh, when he's filling out his tax returns and says, I don't have any money, I don't have any money at all, I think he's saying he believes it. <laughs> I think when he's going on TV and saying, I have billions and billions of dollars the next day, he believes it. Uh, and so I, I don't, I think that we have to, in order to, order to understand what is going on in these people's heads, we have to really, uh, not, uh, transpose a lot of the things that we people who have, who here know and have to deal with, you know, not just yes men all the time, uh, have to deal with. We, we interact with the truth in a way where if we don't, it's inconvenient for us. For the last 30 years, Donald Trump has not been acting with the truth and it's been very convenient for him. Yeah, and just to touch on what you said, just you know, maybe briefly on the psychological aspect. So, do you think that he believes this, or is it just it's just what he needs to do to get done what he needs to get done? Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that the notion of belief in somebody who's a narcissistic personality like Donald Trump is not the same thing as belief uh, that you and I hold. Mm. Uh, and I think that part of it is, is that he is the center of his world, but also part of it is that he is a really, and listen, I know a bunch of really rich old dudes and a lot <laughs> of them have this thing of, they've not, haven't heard no in 30 years. Yeah. They haven't heard like, what are you thinking? That's a really stupid idea, dude. Yeah. In like 30 years. And so they think that they're an expert on everything. Uh, and, um, usually they're smart in one capacity. Like Donald Trump is brilliant, a brilliant marketer. You, you can't argue that he's not ingenious at, at owning a news cycle, at getting his name impressed, uh, and things like that. So, but I think that he thinks that he is a genius at everything because he is clearly a genius at that. Uh, and so, I think that just truth for him is the most convenient argument in the moment. It's 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 very uh, it's temporal. It's not. I don't think he has a, a cornerstone other than himself. I want to ask you what I know to everyone listening sounds like a very obvious question, but I always, I've just found in life it is important to just always ask kind of the obvious question and, and I'm curious about your answer. So why would Donald Trump uh, want the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? What do you, what do you think? Well, I think there's a, a couple of things. One is, I think the biggest thing is that the investigation into Hillary Clinton was the most helpful thing to him in the 2016 election. 
And man, does he know how helpful that can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's, that was, I mean, that's, that is the reason this is a problem is that it's, and this is, by the way, this is, Donald Trump didn't invent this technique. This is the beginning of, I mean, this is a really, this is why this is so serious, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really important thing to understand. Selective prosecutions, if you can do that, if you're allowed to do that as a president, your population has no recourse against tyranny. It yeah. is the first stage to totalitarianism. The first thing Putin did when he took control of the government, it's the first thing all of these guys do when they take control of the government. Selective prosecutions, let your allies know if they get out of line, they're going to jail, and your enemies know if they stand up to you, they're at least going to have a massive legal bill. It creates yeah. a situation where there's no way to stand up to tyranny. This is our last chance to stop this. And that's one of the... Um one of the main themes that you explored in your film, Active Measures, was, I mean, in- intentionally was the parallel, and you would juxtapose what was going on in Ukraine, and then you would, uh, as I recall, would come back to America or other countries to, you really hit that point home, Jack. Sure. And this is what, this is what happened to Yulia Tymoshenko. They're running the exact same playbook we show in the film against Yulia Tymoshenko, against Joe Biden. Joe and, Biden, listen, yeah. Joe Biden is one of the only senators in America who's not a millionaire. Mm-hmm. He is, I mean, he is one of the least corrupt people on the world stage that has ever been in American uh, foreign policy. Like, uh, I've been looking at Ukraine for a long time. I, I, and I, by the way, I could have told you two years ago that Hunter Biden was the thing that they were going to go after him for. Because, yeah, Hunter Biden took money from guys he shouldn't have taken money from. It's not illegal, but I don't agree with it. I don't think he should have done it. But there has, I've never heard a single thing that Joe Biden knew any of that or had any involvement or approved. I mean, Hunter Biden was a crack addict. Yeah, uh, who couldn't get a job in Washington, and Joe wasn't helping him out. That's why he's getting that. That's why he went and took that money. Man. Uh, and so, while I think Hunter is is a problem, he's more of a sad problem. Like he's a guy who watched all of his siblings die yeah. and ha- developed a serious cocaine addiction. So yeah. yeah, he made some bad choices. But like, uh, I think that we all have people in our family who we wish that they made different choices. You know, <laughs> uh, absolutely. So. Yeah. You know, and and uh, so, so some yeah no no Jack go ahead you're absolutely right. Uh, no no so I, I think that that the um, that that's I think that's sort of what I was going at is is that like if you can't stand up for people who aren't who aren't corrupt then you're not standing up to corruption. It's it, if you want to stand up to corruption it's as important to be a voice for the people who are not dealing in corruption as it is to be a voice going after people who are. Because if there's no distinction then there's no reason to not be corrupt. I also just find myself thinking about the just the insanity of being able to Hunter Biden was paid $50,000 a month for a job that he had absolutely no qualification for. I guess maybe I'm a little jealous in a way. Um, well, that's like, but here's the thing. It's like, yes, but also that's every senator. Like if that is an yeah. issue, that could be an issue, but that's not an issue with Joe Biden. That's a systemic issue with right. every powerful person's son. Like forget right. senators as well. Like, by the way, uh, Ivanka Trump's gotten a bunch of uh, copyrights <laughs> in China since your dad's been president. Like, there are much more glaring examples. And like, yeah, yeah, if we're against the notion of that politicians and powerful people's kids shouldn't be on boards of people because of different companies, I- I'm down with that. Let's yeah. do that. But that's not a conversation about Hunter Biden. No, who's one of the you know. There's but you could find thirty much much worse examples of this in the Senate right now. That's uh, what, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, if we want to talk about systemic problems, sure. But let's decouple those things from an election. Let's decouple that conversation from it being a means for, for Donald Trump to selectively prosecute his political enemies. And we find ourselves again at this absurdity of, of Trump uh, once again accusing your enemies of what you are. Like, yes. Oh, and sorry, that, that reminds me. I yeah, good. make the analogy between Timoshenko and I, I kind of got off on my own track no. and I forgot to. But I think one of the important things to remember, because also this is a Manafort operation. Like Giuliani is contacting Manafort consistently on this. That is broken. That's out there. Now, Manafort is doing a lot more contacting uh, than I think we think he is. Like he uh, hooked up Michael Chertoff with Dmitry Furtash. Mm. Chertoff is now representing Furtash in a Chicago trial. Furtash is a Russian mobster who's, by the way, also paid for that packet that Giuliani uh, delivered to the Senate, to the, to the, um, whatever, the, 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 the quote-unquote mm. second sort of the, semi-whistleblower packet that Giuliani filled with uh, the, conspiracy theories. The, the one where, the that, Jack, that was, oh, sorry. I, I just uh, want to say the one where he literally wrote the White House in his own handwriting on the top? Exactly. Nice. So a lot of that was, was uh, from Dmitry Furtash's attorney, who's a Russian mobster who's behind a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, but what Furtash and Manafort did to Yulia Tymoshenko, so basically she was, uh, had, had made some money in gas and was trying to sort of clean up Ukraine after having sort of left that industry and trying to enter politics. And generally speaking, was a very effective politician in the country. Um, and good what she was doing. Uh, she becomes the prime minister and Russia shuts off Ukraine's gas supply. Mm. She then, as prime minister, negotiates with uh, Putin to get that um, gas turned back on. They do a deal. Then her, anim- or her opposition figure, a very pro-Putin uh, candidate, um, Viktor Yanukovych, becomes president there and puts her in jail for alleged corruption because she was negotiating that deal. Yep. Uh, it is the exact same process. Now, Yanukovych was wildly corrupt. His backers were wildly corrupt. But to be able to say, no, no, this isn't our corruption. This is their corruption. We care. We're the ones that care about corruption. They're the bad ones. Uh, and then pointing your finger at somebody who didn't do anything uh, to cover your own actions. Uh, and it's the exact same players. It's not just the exact same program that they <laughs> ran on Timoshenko. It's the exact same players running the exact same program. Uh, and, yeah. and so, yeah, so I think that we should be able to see through this. And, you know, uh, it doesn't happen very often, but one of the White House press corps reporters um, actually asked a good question, a, a great question the other day to to Trump, which was, are you, in, you, you know, you're all of a sudden you're Mr. Anti-Corruption, which is hilarious. Uh, are you investigating anyone other than your political enemy? And the guy just, you know, of course, there was no answer. Uh, yeah, of course. And, and I, I think that we as a people really, I, I really want to emphasize, we cannot underestimate how destructive this exact thing is. This is the bridge to tyranny. Being able to selectively prosecute your enemies as a president means that people have no more recourse against this becoming a tyrannical government. It is the most dangerous step we can take. Jack, I, I can't agree with you more. And I just, this is... This is one of the reasons that you can tell me what you think, but why I, I'm so confused about like I'm I'm very glad that an impeachment inquiry has been open, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I took this um I took this I've been thinking about this criminal justice class I took a couple of years ago just for fun. I was at community college and uh they were we were doing this unit on on like street gangs and the professor who was an ex cop was saying that 
there was a certain period where you could crush like a like a street gang, but if you let it, if you didn't do it at that time, it would never go away and it would be forever. Um, and because they've waited so long with this impeachment, that's what I'm concerned about. Like a virus, now with Barr going across the world, you know, and all these things that are happening, this this is it's fast out of control. And yeah, I'm, this is this is. I, I think you're completely right. Uh, I think that. But I, also, I will say, I, it was not a surprise. Let me put it this way: it was not surprising to me that Donald Trump was having Rudy Giuliani go to Ukraine and try to investigate Joe Biden. There had been whispers, and people have been talking about this for a little while. Uh, and um, I was under the impression that just it was done. No one cared. No one was doing anything about it. It was just over. Right. So uh, I, I I feel you, and I, and I feel like you're right. Uh, for me, I do think that we are still in a place where there is an opening. Now, listen, Republicans in the Senate have been destroy, you know, uh, uh, helping destroy the planet for the last 20 years and have refused to see obvious evidence in front of their face. I don't think it's a it's a obvious bet that they're going to see the obvious evidence in front of their face now. You know, this notion that all they needed, quote, was a smoking gun was a lie. They had smoking guns or plenty of smoking guns. Uh, and you can pretend to not see something, but it still exists. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that there are some good signs and there are some very worrying signs. But the people have to be the ones to really push this. You know, every single person listening to this needs to make this a priority. If you have not called up a senator, if you live in a Republican state where there is a Republican senator and you have not called up that senator's office and let them know that you'll be volunteering against them if they do not vote for impeachment, you have not done your job. As a citizen, this is the most important thing happening right now. And I, listen, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's some scenario wherein I'm just blowing this up. But I don't see it, and I haven't been able to get anybody who knows a lot about this to explain to me how I'm wrong. People tend to agree with me pretty quickly when they know a lot about this topic, and that's the thing that frightens me the most. <laughs> it's and not it, that I'm, yeah. I think this. It's like when I say this to like people who are ambassadors and stuff, they're like, yeah, it's really bad. I'm like, why isn't anybody else saying this? And they go, I don't know. It's really bad. Uh, so, yeah, people really need to be getting out of their seats and doing stuff. And, this you is know, the time. Yeah, this is the time. And if they had started this, if I might just say, on the impeachment inquiry, if it had been a, a massive, you know, you, you're a filmmaker, you work in Hollywood, um, and so do I. And so, you know, I sort of wish the Democrats had a little more of that. Nationwide hearings every day about not just Ukraine, but everything that happened. That, I think you would, you would see the impeachment, uh, these polls they do skyrocket if everything was just put out there again every night. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that I mean, I, I do think they do have to have a somewhat of a narrow focus. Mm-hmm. And I think that if everything can fall under the banner of international corruption, then I think it's OK. But I, I don't think you want to just throw uh, everything because they can do quick defenses of a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that has been part of the problem is that every week it's a new scandal with this guy. Uh, and he never actually gets his feet held to the fire on any single one of them because it just moves on very quickly. Now we have something because we have the impeachment proceedings. We have two things that we didn't have before. One, which we did have, well, we have one thing that we have before, which is an ongoing process for one thing. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that we didn't have before is that was a silent process. You know what I mean? Like 
yeah, Congress people could say this and this, but they, at the end of the day, they say, well, Mueller's going to find what Mueller's going to find. Now that it's Congress actually doing it, they have a, a loud adversary. Um, and so I think that that's, um, that is positive, and they can actually make the case to people every day, as you're saying. Um, and they also have, uh, hopefully, uh, a little bit more lively than they had in Mueller, an adversary. Jack, yeah, exactly. Uh, Trump's strategy, maybe it's because he came from Hollywood, he really um, is fairly effective at employing sort of reality TV scenarios uh, to distract from himself. And I was just curious, in your movie, you explored how Putin does the same thing and is very good with uh, RT and media. Do you think these two men are, is it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do they influence each other or is this a coincidence? They're just naturally sort of like each other. Uh, oh, no, I think, uh, I, I don't know that I see um, uh, Donald Trump as Putin-esque. I see him more as Yanukovych-esque mm. or, um, you know, I, he's more the um, uh, sort of flailing Mussolini than Hitler. Um, <laughs> you know, but I think that he certainly is influenced by Putin. Yeah, uh, I think that also we're going to find out uh, when, when these phone calls come out, uh, I think we're going to find out how influenced he is. Uh, I, I can't, I don't want to go over my skis here, but I think that we're one of those other phone calls that is in that vault uh, was with Putin. And I'll just say, I think it took place on the same day that we announced our withdrawal from um, Syria. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of that stuff is we're going to show that Putin has a lot of influence over this government. Um, and I think that uh, influence over him uh, style, uh, not so style-wise, but in terms of his thoughts, I think that also Rudy takes a lot of bad money from Eastern European actors. I think that he is pushing a lot of this stuff to Trump. And I think Trump takes it very happily. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, also, I think that, here's the other thing. I think that Trump, as much as anything, is, wants to be a Gerhard Schroeder mm-hmm. for Putin. And Gerhard Schroeder was the chancellor of Germany before Angela Merkel. And what he did was he was a, a total Putinist. Uh, while he was in office, he you know prevented uh, the Russian mafia being investigated um, in uh, Germany. In a, if you want to look up, the, the company was called Spag. A very like notoriously dirty deal. Uh, he would clean stuff up with Putin, and then when he lost his reelection, he in between losing it and it was right before he was clearly going to lose his reelection. Uh, it was either right before or in the time between losing it and, and leaving office, he signed a deal, a massive uh, pipeline deal mm. with Russia that would give them access to German German pipelines and all sorts of stuff. And then after he left office, Schroeder worked for the pipeline, getting hundreds, I mean, millions and millions of dollars, a massive salary to run this pipeline. Uh, and I think that that's what Trump wants at the end of the day is he wants a patron when he's done as president. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I also I think that Putin clearly knows a lot of stuff about him that he wouldn't want revealed. At, at the very least, the phone calls they've had, in which he, there's already reporting about how, uh, what a supplicant he is during those phone calls. Um, and so, yeah, so at the very least, he can really get real embarrassing information, he can reveal illegal stuff. But also the, the, the carrot is that he, he's going to, I mean, they were negotiating to build the biggest building in Europe, biggest skyscraper in Europe. Right. It's going to be that Trump Tower Moscow. Right. Uh, I think he still wants to do that. Yeah, that's the Trump Tower in Moscow alone should have started impeachment proceedings from the day after the inauguration because that was these things were known already. 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that that somehow, um, I think that, I, I think a lot of it, I, I think here's the good side of it to an extent. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that Donald Trump was one of the most famous men in America for 30 years. Hmm. He was famous for being famous before that was a thing. Right. Uh, I think what this should alert us to is it's very, it's not unlikely that we are going to have a President Kardashian in the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, oh man, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just. I think that w- when you're that famous for that long, the cake is kind of baked in people's mind, and you can kind of do anything. And it's oh, that's just grandpa. Yeah. Whereas if you'd heard it on the street from a stranger, you'd be like, that guy's horrible. <laughs> right. Well, that's always been the joke, kind of about this whole thing. Like, if someone was acting like Trump, you'd you know probably contact an authority figure like the police and or at least take away his car keys right right like it it, it'll never it'll absolutely never cease to amaze me that he's literally on a golf course right now and yeah i I think in a way it's a testament to the federal the that that this government is actually as bad as it is that basically the normal functions of society as opposed to in a country like ukraine have more or less held up uh except when he shut the government down like basically things have kind of for most people life has gone on in uh in terms of i don't know getting your medicare check or wherever things like that sure uh, yeah uh, but, but the, the pro- that 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 is a blessing and a curse i think though because yeah. it's the the, t- the turning of a tanker right that that's the the, the old analogy that the president mm. you're just turning the oil tanker yeah and so if you decide to turn oh, think it's 25 degrees, it takes a while and things are still, you're still moving and da da da, da. Um, You know, so it can give us the illusion that things are okay. You know, but like, just look at the economy. Like, the economy seems like it's doing great. Mm-hmm. But we just had a massive tax cut that's running up the deficit and we're also cutting interest rates dramatically. Mm-hmm. So if we do go in recession, which we're like literally one job, bad jobs number away from doing that, uh, we have no means of getting out of it. We can't do another tax cut. We can't cut the interest rate to zero. So, like, there are these subtle things that are happening behind the scenes that are, uh, I think, going to have long-term negative ramifications, possibly, that we're not experiencing yet. I also find it fascinating, you tell me what you think, and, you know, you don't have to be a Sigmund Freud, but it's fascinating how everyone he turns, like, when he's creating a, a fake image of them, like Clinton or Biden, he just turns them in. He's really just turning them into who Donald Trump actually is. I just, I've never ceased to find that fascinating. Uh, oh, there's a lot of, a massive amount of projection. I think, I, I think that it's strategy. You know, I, mean, I yeah. think that there's a strategy to it of if I call you this thing before anybody can call me that thing, then, and you call it to me back, it'll look like you're being just, you know, returning. Um, but uh, I'm being unfair, and so if you accuse somebody of doing the thing that you're doing, it makes them harder for them to call you out on it. Um, but I think that you know Dems have to be better at calling out Donald Trump, and calling out Donald Trump is actually not difficult. Yeah. Okay, or responding to his thing, just do the thing that he does. Okay, he will respond to your accusation for about five seconds, and then just start ranting about the other person. Like even <laughs> if you look at Joe Biden's like clap back he yeah. ended that with this isn't about me and my son he should have started with that this is not me about about me and my son and then never mentioned him or his son again and just made the rest of the thing about donald trump yeah. um that's it's not hard but people want to defend themselves and like he doesn't want to do that 
He just wants to say it's bullshit and then start attacking the other person. And like, you can do that back to him. Right. And, and you have to like, that's, I keep telling them like, you have to, like, I keep telling you, you want to win this thing. You need to hire like a comedian as a strategist. Cause I, I still don't, I don't understand what the problem is. Like, no, I mean, Joe Biden could have just come out and said the thing he said two days ago. He could have said that the first day, and then they would have played that clip every time this thing came up, which they knew it was going to. Instead, right. they just played down uh, on Fox News. Well, who knows? I mean, Hunter Biden is clearly the greatest controversy uh, in the history of the republic. We can ignore the impeachment of the president while we're talking about that. It's like, no, you should have to, they sh- you should have, people should have to hear that when they are spreading that lie, they are liars. Uh, and uh, nobody tells an audience that. Uh, and so people on the right can just be like, well, no one's calling me out for this, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. Um, but no, I think that there should be a louder thing. I just think there should be less defense, more offense. I read this quote in the today's New York Times. It was from, I mean, it is funny. Like, I'm, I know I'm trying not to laugh too much, but it was like Biden, Biden told Chris Coons, like, I can't believe they're attacking my family. I was like, can this guy like just drop out already? Cause like, this is just, yeah. And, dude, <laughs> are you uh, kidding I, me? I agree. And I think, I mean, listen, I think that I, listen, as, as much as I think Joe Biden is uh, a really good man on the world stage, yes. amazingly not corrupt and like a really important person in American history for our international diplomacy. He was also probably not the person I was going to vote for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like probably, you know, uh, so on one yeah. hand, I think that, and I don't think he was going to win the nomination either. Yeah. Like that's, that's the funny thing is I think that he was actually, uh, I mean, he'd already been outraised significantly. He was already behind in Iowa, New Hampshire. He's still going to win North Carolina, I'm sure, but well, mm-hmm. South Carolina, but, um, I, I don't think that he's, uh, I think he's going to win. Yeah. And so uh, on one hand, I think that it's, it's unfortunate because it allows Trump to kind of pick his, his opponent to a weird way if we if we uh, allow this uh, shellacking to take Biden out. On the other hand, I think Biden was probably going to get taken out anyway. Um, and uh, I, I have mixed feelings about that because I think that Biden was basically a lock, right? I mean, he's not going to, Biden's not going to lose Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, or, or Michigan. It's yeah. not going to happen. I don't think. It was happened long before, but he's very likely that that's the case. Uh, whereas Elizabeth Warren, it's a little bit tighter. Um, so I think that that's Certainly, that that is one feeling, but I, I kind of like Liz Warren better, <laughs> and I think she's a better better at campaigning at this point. I agree. Look, I, just to be clear, I think Biden is a he's a great American, and he's had a great uh, career, and he's a, an honorable person. And it's it's just it's just pure politics that I make that comment that you you can't. I mean, you were vice president for Barack Obama, who was this whole thing started when Donald Trump became a birther and you saw that go down. So you can't, you can't be serious that you didn't think that they were going to oh, be go below absolutely. the belt. I, I, yeah. And I think that he is not, I, I don't, uh, yeah, it's very bizarre to me that he would not. <laughs> it's also very, the response is bizarre. Like it, it does not speak well of the Biden camp that, that or I, I think it's, I think that Biden is not comfortable doing a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think he's kind of a traditional politician. I think he's kind of a polite. Well, yeah, he's got his sort of like, hey, I'll be rough and gruff, but yeah. not really like an attack dog. Uh, and uh, I think he's kind of, you know, I think he doesn't, he doesn't feel, I, I, listen, every time I watch Biden, I'm nervous. 
Okay. <laughs> that's, that's honestly what it comes down to at the end of the day. It's like, Oh man, what is he going to say wrong here? Yeah. And I like, maybe that's not fair because he's been doing that since the eighties. He's been a yeah. golf machine, but like it's a little different when you're like in your eighties than it is when it was the eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to ask you too. So Trump is now making, I guess because it works so well with Russia and now, you know, he's he feels like he's on a roll with Ukraine. So now he's he's making overtures to China. Uh, I'm just curious on a big picture sense. Do you think that uh, cl- clearly he's going to float this thing to any country that will work with him? Do you think countries like China would operate in the same way as Russia in terms of, of, of uh, helping him win or – do you think they'd have a, a different t- kind of tactic? What do you think, Jack? Uh, I, okay, so l- let me just really lay this out first. I do not have great insight into China right now. Mm. Uh, I, I last, I, I know, you know, up to Tiananmen Square Chinese history pretty well. Mm. Uh, I, I'm probably more, I probably read more about it than most people. Mm. But I, I'm not. I don't want to present myself as a, as a somebody who's really, really well versed in the inner workings of China right now. Of course. Um, but I will say this. Uh, I know a fair amount about Russia, and I think that one of the reasons that Russia is doing this is out of desperation. <laughs> it's not because they're so strong. It's because they have painted themselves in, into a corner. And that corner is, we are going to be a kleptocratic petrol stick. We're going to basically be Saudi Arabia of the North. Uh, and that is difficult to maintain. You're, you're tying yourself to the price of oil. Uh, and also you don't have the infrastructure to move it around as you did when there was the Soviet Union. You don't have all these client countries that you have, you know, taken over through modern imperialism. Uh, and so what you have to do then is you have to start using covert and illegal means. And so that's why I started using the mafia. That's where the Russian mafia blows up. Mm. And it's about oil largely and gas. It's, it's the, it has the second largest oil reserves in the world Russia does after Saudi Arabia. But it also, because of that corruption, it has the median income of India. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now in Russia, the retirement age is longer than the average life expectancy. It's higher, rather, than the life expectancy for a man. Um, mm-hmm. And that is unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And uh, the country has been hollowed out. I mean, we certainly have a problem with... Uh, uh, income inequality in America. It's a very serious problem. I don't want to make light of it. Mm-hmm. But what they have in Russia just makes us look like a bunch of amateurs. They've got like 100 people owning half of the country. Uh, they have stolen and pushed out of the country, you know, scurried away in other countries uh, over $2 trillion over the last uh, two decades. It is uh, a massive amount of money, but it's also hard for them to move it around. And after they they, uh, they invaded Ukraine and shot down a commercial airline, um, they became kind of international pariahs. And so it's if you're there's not much not I'm not sure that much point, but there's less fun in being a Russian oligarch as there was ten years ago. Uh, like it's hard to go to you know the south of France and enjoy your uh, dachas there. I mean you can still go to London or whatever, but your motion and your ability to move money is less easy. And like when you have a country where it's just like a hundred billionaires, just like picking their teeth, making things inconvenient is actually like a huge, uh, leverage, uh, lever rather. Uh, and so, 
Um, sorry, did, did I get even close to answering the question? I feel like I no, no, that's to, great. Uh, no, no, no. about Russia's no, central no. state. Um, there, are, there are no tangents. In fact, a lot of times the tangents, <laughs> a lot of times the tangents are where the the real, you know, kind of the important stuff happens. Uh, sure, sure, I'm done. I find myself thinking. Uh, well, oh, China, sorry, China, China. Yeah. So I think that China is not in that position, mm-hmm. uh, and so China, I think, is more of being desperate. Um, China and isolated from the world, and so I think China would probably be less inclined to do it, just because, like, who wants the headache? <laughs> yeah, uh, and they're already doing so much crazy shit. Like they don't really like. What would they need our permission to fucking own Africa? No, <laughs> they're just going off and doing it. Uh, whereas uh, America has serious ties to Ukraine, has serious ties to Eastern Europe, um, and that that is a more of a headache. Though, listen, uh, there's reasons. Obviously, the Chinese might want this or that. That I, I tend to think it would be a, more of a headache for them than it's worth, but put that on the side for a second they have such a stronger infrastructure especially on the digital end Mm. than the russians have they could do it much easier and and do it without us noticing much easier than the russians could um Uh, and so um i i don't know the answer but those are those are the two factors that i would look at is, is that on the yes side they're more capable on the no side, it might be a much bigger headache than they want. I mean, th- this has not worked out great for Putin. It's worked out well for Putin. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's getting eastern Ukraine, which was the thing he wanted to begin with. Um, so it's, it, it is a win for him, but it's been a win that cost him a lot. Uh, and I don't know if the Chinese would be willing to go through the costs that it gave Putin in order to get, you know, uh, what, islands in the South China Sea? Like, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. But man, is it also we do so much more trade with China. Like, you know, what I mean, like that's the thing is like China is, is more of a threat in certain ways, but in certain ways it's not because like Russia's big goal. This is why Russia could do this as well. Russia's goal is to just disempower America, mm. to, to make America not as much of a leader on the world stage to create. And their method for doing that is like the more chaos they can create here, the better. Right. Like the minute Trump is going to, I believe if, if if Trump is uh, is convicted by the Senate, the Russians will will drop him immediately, and yep. release all the information to just create complete chaos in our system. Um, and so I think that if that happens, that's great for the Russians. If that happens, it's bad for the Chinese because they're our biggest trading partner. We give yeah. them a lot of money. They give us a lot of money. We, they were there. I mean, they, they're developing a steadier middle class. This is less true than it was 10 years ago, but, uh, China is dependent on America. Also like they need stuff like we're the only ones that build the, um, the superconductors that they use for a lot of their stuff. There's things that they really need that we, uh, build and they need us as a customer. They need us all this stuff. So China doesn't want complete and utter chaos in America because they'd lose a lot of money. Right. So I think for those reasons, I'm I'm a little bit less concerned about China doing this. But I think that you can't take Ryan off them. I think that they, but historically, uh, China has been more interested in controlling uh, Asia, that that just completely controlling, dominating that region than it has been dominating, um, you know, Europe and, and America. But now, and then again, the fact that they don't have huge inroads into Africa right now that are very problematic, very disturbing. Uh, and it's also not to say that the treatment of the, the local Uyghur minority is not mm. profoundly disturbing and horrible. Um, yeah. 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 I'm very interested. This this would be a, uh, I'm sure somewhere in the, uh, 
the CIA or wherever they run simulations in our government. I'm, I'm very interested about, because the word is obviously out to every hostile foreign power or just semi-hostile that there is there could be gain in helping Donald Trump win. And I'm just, Absolutely. I'm sort of interested, I'm interested in how different countries, if they would try to mirror what Russia really is, is very good at, which is disinformation or, uh, it's a question I don't know the answer to, but I'm curious how they would, let's say, I don't know, China or, I don't know, I'm just throwing out countries, let's say North Korea, how they would go about it or if, if everyone would be kind of the same. Uh, it's some uh, yeah, I, I think that each of them would probably be different, right? Mm. So uh, North Korea, um, I would imagine, would have more difficulty, for example, doing a... Um, like um, a troll, a, a troll thing, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the population doesn't speak very good English, um, and they can't leave money in the world as easily. And usually, trolling operations are, or, or, or even like um, probably more likely, um, like bots are tough because you have to go and buy this. And that means I can do them internally, but they would probably be better at hacking. Like the North yeah. Korea is a good hacking program. And, you know, they can train a small number of people doing that. And that's not to say they don't use those other things or they're not capable of doing that. But hacking is really where they shine, uh, is my understanding. Also, I'm not a North Korea expert. That is my understanding. I'm just yeah. being interested in this and reading a little bit about it. Um, and whereas I think that uh, Russia is more interested in narrative driving. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there are different... Um, there are different styles. Uh, I don't think that that's uh, always the case. Uh, for example, Turkey, the Erdogan apparently has a massive bot operation, loves the bot. Um, and so there, there's different styles to these guys, different things. I, I don't know how much of that. I think probably some of it is geographic and like technical or uh, just happens to be ramifications of like, well, we're in this country and we do this better. And I think some of that is leadership personality. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything in Turkey specifically that makes bots really great, but I think Erdogan just likes them. <laughs> yeah. you know I, mean? I don't know. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about the Ukraine. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting. What I was thinking about was when I look at Giuliani, it's, it's fascinating and I look at, at uh, Ukraine and kind of their prosecutor, you see like this almost like this this ripple. And this goes back to your movie. Like you see Giuliani and in a scary sense, our government, you see a, like almost like a ripple in time. And then it be, they start to look like each other. Like he starts to become, you know what I mean? Like that's what's scary about it. He becomes, they, they're the same person. And our government with bar flying all over the world, <laughs> I feel like I'm in an episode of Black Mirror, but that's how like my mind works. They start to become the same person. And that's what's scary because I don't want to live in a, a, a country of corruption even beyond what we're used to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that, um, yeah, no, we, uh, and the, it's amazing how much the office is no longer of the president is no longer the office of the president. It's the occupant, right? Like yeah. this notion, I mean, it's, it, well, I think that what it really comes down to is it's amazing how much of what we thought of as like, this is how we do things over here was just tradition. <laughs> it was yeah. just tradition. There's no laws around it. There is no, you can apparently kind of do whatever you want. 
And it's just a matter of will the uh, will the Congress hold you accountable? And right. that is a political decision, not a legal one. And I think we have to really grapple with the fact that we do live in a country where the president is above the law. There's no way around that now. That is a thing yeah. that we have. He is, while he is president, he is above the law. Uh, and stop telling ourselves otherwise. Um, yeah. And, and in fact, if he might be above the law, period, because if he can run out, if he gets reelected, we're on the statute of limitations on most of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe not this. Maybe, I don't know. He might, he might on this too. Um, but, and so in that case, then literally very much above the law. Jack, I mean, there's, a, we, there's been many developments on, uh, you know, the whole Ukraine story this week. And is there anything else that you think people need to know about? I mean, we obviously, we didn't really get into Manafort, the Black Ledger. We can do that another time. Uh, there's, sure. you know, the Kurt Volker, but I don't know anything else that people need to know about. Uh, uh, yeah, let me think about this. So I think that um, I would be paying attention to the other phone calls in that server. I think that server is the, is the thing to get. Mm. Uh, I think that um, if people want to look for corruption in Ukraine, Giuliani is a really good place to start. Not not in terms of his, what he investigates, but what he has done and the money he has taken. Uh, and I would, um, yeah, I, I think that this is going to get bigger and more complicated before it gets simpler and easier, but don't lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, this is about one thing and one thing only abuse of power. And if we're okay with that abuse of power, then we are okay with abuse of power generally. <laughs> and we can't come back from that. Um, so let's just really try to deal with this. That's right. That's absolutely right. Oh, I did have one more question. Any, uh, any films sure. coming up? Any, anything you want to, you could tell us about anything? You're yeah. So I'm working on, I don't know. I can't really talk about much of it, but I can mm. say, uh, I'm working on two things. One is, uh, a, uh, documentary series, which, uh, I can't really talk about, it, but it's, it, it's sure. within this world. It sort of exists. Uh, I, I would say it's, it's not, um, it, it is, uh, a much if, if active measures is a, a broad sort of view of what happened in 2016, uh, election, because it's an election, this is a broad view of what is happening worldwide in a, in a sort of bigger sense. I, I probably should mm. shut up there. Mm. Uh, and then, um, the other thing is, is, is a, uh, to a feature that is non-political, it's not overtly political, uh, that I hopefully will be directing next year, uh, which is, you know, sort of coming about at its own pace. Jack, it is always right, so, like no, 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 it's <laughs> no, Hey, look, I, no one knows more than me, the uh, importance of secrecy and some of the work that we yeah, do. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and let me just say also, uh, here at Forensic News, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be dropping a uh, a big one, a very the biggest thing we've done. So, uh, that's I suggest uh, keep following Forensic News and and uh, you know if you are interested, become a Patreon because we're uh, we're doing the type of investigative journalism and and this podcast, but just the type of work that uh, we're we're going to keep the world honest as as you do in your f filmmaking as well. Um, 
and well, I jack I, yeah, look forward to look forward to hearing what that uh, that that drop's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of powerful people are about to be very scared, and that's what we like. That's what that's what we like doing very here, cool. um, or at yeah. least holding them accountable. Uh, yeah. Jack, uh, great having you back on Counterintelligence, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Okay, thank you for listening. Follow Forensic News on Twitter at Forensic Newsnet. Counterintelligence is at Intel Pod. My personal account is Eric LeVay. Support Forensic News on Patreon. Subscribe to Counterintelligence everywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Eric LeVay, and this is Counterintelligence.